Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Levin Black. It's draft day, Levin. How you feeling? <laughs> Not excited because the Niners aren't <laughs> drafting today. <laughs> yeah, our wait's going to have to go on a little bit longer. We're going to get to uh, some draft thoughts. We're going to look back at last year's draft and see what the 49ers were saying after they made some of the picks in 2022. Now that we have the information of a full year of football. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of beef among content creators that has, you know, fired me up a little bit. I want to get to that. But of course, I want to remind you, please rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. We're slowly building our star rating and you are helping with that. And we are grateful. I always say if you take the time to leave a review, we'll read it on the show. This one comes from Anthony 11A, five stars, subject, Levin Good, Rob, Bad. <laughs> Levin always has that calm approach to any topic and keeps things in great perspective. Rob is always in worst case scenario slash conspiracy mode. They balance each other out. Great. Keep up the great work on the true gold standard podcast. Damn Skippy. (laughs) I don't know where all this love for you comes from. Literally do they know what I used to be. (laughs) I'm glad we're starting the show. With a compliment, Levin, because I'm at soccer practice with my son, and all of a sudden, I come across something that was on Larry Kruger's show about a week ago. Now, I don't watch Larry's show, not for any particular reason, other than I try not to watch a ton of 49er stuff because I don't want other people's takes to seep into my brain and come out of my mouth, because you know how that can happen sometimes when you're consuming a lot of content. Consume the news, not necessarily other people's opinions as much. Yes. And so I became aware of this clip that I had known nothing about. And in the clip, Larry says to Jack Hammer, well, you know, we're there. There's a lot of out of state 49ers content creators from Texas and Jersey and New York and We're there. They're never there. They're covering the story, but they're never there. And I think that that's an important distinction, he said. And I got to tell you, Larry, I think you're full of crap. I think that's full of crap. And the reason I can say that is because I've been a consumer of the content that the people who are there are putting out. And I got to tell you, it stinks. Or to to be more fair... It leaves something to be desired, which is what we do. The only reason we have an audience is because we are providing something that they are not getting anywhere else. Is that fair? Well, I do think the San Francisco is missing like that great columnist. You know what I mean? Most cities have this great sports columnist that really drives the opinion side of everything. I don't think the 49ers really have that great columnist that stirs the pot, so to speak, that a lot of cities do. But to me, 
I feel like what this is, is I'm going to put this politely. Somebody that has an outdated ideal. Because I think that definitely used to be the case. 20 years ago, absolutely. You had to be in that room to be able to cover it. Twitter, the fact the press conferences are live and the recordings are right there. Even if you can't watch it live, you can watch it right after and still see their emotions, see how they react. Not just be reading a quote in somebody else's newspaper or now I'm showing my age website. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that has changed everything. So I don't think you gain a whole lot by being there. I will say it's possible to gain something very important by being there. And that's what's missing amongst the 49er stuff. You can get a scoop by being there, being in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. That's what you gain. Being in the locker room, being around these players every day, you develop relationships at a level that we never will, if we're being honest. And that leads to a scoop. We don't see those scoops in the 49ers media. The team does the scoops because it doesn't leak out. And that's not even just with the team's the team's news, like Joe Staley's retirement didn't leak out. And, you know, I, I can go back to just a personal experience with a different fan base that I know because I know the writer, uh, my college roommate who writes for the Packers. If you remember BJ Raji, a great player for the Packers 15 years ago, he had a bunch of injuries, his career declined. When he decided to retire, he had developed a relationship with my friend from college he called him and said, I want you to announce my retirement. And they sat down and did an interview and announced the retirement. That's what you gain by being there. We will never get that because we can't develop a personal relationship by seeing them every day, talking to them. Problem is, is when it comes to the 49ers, you don't see that. So there's nothing gained here. And, you know, not for nothing, Steph Sanchez was at the combine talking to John Lynch. John Lynch asked her to do the Nick Bosa impression for him and Adam Peters. Jason Aponte was right there with her. They're at the senior bowl. They're at practices. So first of all, let's not act like some of our people are not there when they actually are. And second of all, I agree with you completely, completely. The potential is there to gain something more, but nobody in the 49ers press corps does it. Where are these stories? Ian Rappaport is the one that breaks all the stories. Okay. So I don't want to hear about the value of everybody being there, which by the way, it's not like you get to watch all of practice. Okay. They kick you out after the stretches for God's sakes. Like what, what, what are we talking about here? So I, I I'm sensitive about this because I do live in Connecticut I, and it's not a secret, by the way, we don't make a secret out of where we are. Everybody knows I'm in Connecticut. Everybody knows you're in Pennsylvania. Everybody knows where we all live. So it's not a secret. But to say that that other people's coverage is in some way better because they're in the same room is just not true. I'll put our coverage up against anybody that's covering the 49ers, and I'll be very comfortable to do so. Like I said, I think things have changed in the last 20 years, and maybe Larry is just a little stuck because that was something when I was actually in the media and a reporter that I was kind of in the game at the point that that was changing Twitter kind of Twitter started right as I was graduating college and becoming a full-time part of the media. And that change was happening while I was in the actual media. And there was some of that attitude where certain people thought these people can't know anything because they're not there. They don't go. And this, this isn't just sports, by the way, this was like political people. 
you know, you weren't in the room at the state government. You didn't hear them or the local city government. You weren't at the board meeting, you know, that they, that's what they called them in North, in North Dakota. Um, but you weren't there. So you can't possibly know. Never mind that there's a video of it online that you can watch. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It, it just, it, things changed and it's a pretty recent change. And the people that uh, kind of came up in the environment of say even the eighties, the nineties, I don't know when Larry started, honestly. Um, but certainly the people that came up in the nineties or earlier might have a little bit of warped sense of what today's capabilities are. Well, I didn't appreciate it, especially cause I've never even had a conversation with Larry. Like if, if you want to talk about being there, then say that to one of the quote unquote out of state content creators. And I, Larry, I'll go on your show. You can come on this show, whatever you want. I'd love to have the conversation with you and have you explain to me why it's so important that I have to be there. Cause I guarantee you by the end of it, I think I'll change your mind. Anyway, I'm a lot less, even though I still seem fired up, I'm a lot less fired up than I was. I was really freaking, I was steamed when I saw that. Um, but I wanted to address it. I would have addressed it sooner if I had become aware of it. Um, but I happen to see it. And when somebody calls us out, I'm going to respond. And like I said, I'm happy to, to have a discussion about it. We don't have to be shouting at one another. That's fine. But I, I don't know. Consume our content and then tell me it's lacking. That's what I'd like to hear from anyone that criticizes it. I mean, it's not like we're sitting here saying a, a trade is definitely happening every single day. <laughs> right. And, by, and that's Who's fine. saying that, by the way? He's been riding that train and hyping that. And, and that's fine that he's planted his flag there. I don't care about like That's great. But well, what does that have to do with you being in the same state and me not being in the same state? Are you saying that you've, you have sources that are telling you this? Okay, we'll see. But like, I just don't see how your coverage is enhanced because you're in the same room when they give the press conference and I'm watching it online. So that's my two cents. Um, he can take it or leave it. I don't care. And if you know if he's going to even see this, he did like my tweet online that I put on Twitter. So I guess he's seen that, but uh, hopefully he'll see this too. And I'll, I'll, you know, and I'll tag him in the tweet for the show. So to make sure he sees it, I got nothing to hide. But anyway, wanted to address that. Now it is the day of the draft. We don't know what's going to happen. One of the things I wanted to do today, because I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the draft. I don't know who any of these players are. I don't know if any of them are going to be any good. And I don't want to pretend like I do. So one of the things I thought we would do is look back on last year's draft and look back on what Lynch and Shanahan were saying when these picks were made and compare it to what we saw throughout the year last year, since we now have that information. One of the things that jumps out to me, Levin, as I have started combing through the transcripts again, they talked a lot about how difficult it was to wait until the 60s to make their pick because they didn't make up and they didn't do any trades last year it was the first time ever. Well, guess what guys, if you oh. thought it was tough to wait last year, they're going to be climbing the walls this year. 11. Uh, I, I would say they're not going to wait till 99. I, I think it's much more likely that their first pick comes before 99. than they wait all the way to 99. Put it that way. And do you think they move up? to through trading a player do you think they move up by trading picks do you think it's a mix it could be a mix but i i would have to guess that it's it's through trading multiple of the third round picks i don't see a player on this roster that is like a clear oh that's the guy that they're going to move to get to the second 
you could say Trey Lance. I I don't know. I, I certainly don't think that they have a high opinion of Trey Lance, but I do think that they want to wait on Trey Lance. They would rather trade him one post-June. That's better for the cap anyways. Yes. Uh, and then they also know where Purdy's at. And they also have time to build Trey Lance's value while Purdy is still not going, say, in training camp or something like that. Um, so there's no other player. Like, what other player could you envision that actually has trade value that they are going to move? Brandon Ayuk. No. They said it's it. The only... They said it, and I, I don't always put weight into what they say, but this is exactly what they've been behind. They are win now, and this year they have a great chance. Ayuk is the best wide receiver on the team. Debo might be a better offensive weapon, but when it comes to wide receiver, Ayuk is better. They know that, and they need Ayuk. Like trading Ayuk, you're not getting a replacement that's better year one, period. It doesn't matter who you draft. You're not going to get somebody as good as Ayuk. Uh, as late as you would be drafting, because you're not getting a first-round pick for that. So, to me, there, there's nobody here that makes sense that they could trade, package in a trade, in order to move up into the second. Lynch said, we're trying to do something special this year, and Brandon is going to be a big part of that and beyond as well. They still haven't picked up his fifth-year option. Um, I think it would... What I said with Grant yesterday was... I think the question the Niners are going to have to ask themselves if it came down, if somebody called them and made an offer to get maybe like early round two, would they say to themselves, is it important to have a good third, fourth option in the offense versus maybe having a better right tackle? I don't know how they weigh those two things. How do you think they'd weigh them? Well, one, I don't think I use a third or fourth option. And you know two, what I'm saying. Two, I, I think that they weigh it as one, they want the wide receivers because that's what drives this offense. They need people who can block and they need people who can receive and that takes time to develop. And they don't have a clear-cut person who could replace him on this roster. You know, there, there's none of these wide receivers on the roster, in my opinion, are clear-cut. That guy could develop into a starter and he might be and they just, you don't know that because they haven't moved Ayuk yet. None of them. You have Danny Gray. Maybe he develops into a, a solid third, fourth option. You have Jennings. He's a solid third, fourth, slash fourth option, but we know that's his ceiling. You know, I just don't see the potential here of, oh, yeah, that guy's probably developed into a starter behind him, or that guy could be a starter behind him uh, because he was drafted, say, in the second round. You know, they don't have anybody waiting in the wings. So it just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't think that's a high enough pick because you're talking about early second round, you're not getting a guaranteed starter day one at right tackle. The only guaranteed starters at tackle are going to be drafted prior to pick 20 in this draft. No, you're probably It is right a top heavy draft when it comes to that is what I've read. You know, I'm not a draft expert, but that's the opinion of all the experts is that it's a very top heavy draft that there are excellent ones in this draft, but not much after. Plus, isn't there kind of like a, Hey, we put all this work into this guy just to finally get him the way we want him, right? He's practicing as hard as we want him to practice now after we iced him out. He's blocking. You don't want to get rid of him now. Now you want to reap the rewards from every, all the work you put in. Well, it's just I, I don't see the the earnest on it. I, I think this discussion is too early because you have next year. You're going to have the fifth-year option, which is an affordable option, and then – you have the franchise years. 
that you could go the route of if they choose to. And that's going right. to, you know, to me, they have three years left of true control. I don't think you franchise a wide receiver twice, but they have three years left of true control where if they can't get to a long-term deal, they could try to move him. So why would you do that now? You have him play his fourth year. If, if you don't think you can get him to a long-term deal or you flat out have to choose between him and Debo and you choose Debo, I think maybe next offseason they could trade him. But I think even then they might prefer to push the chips in to try to win a Super Bowl with him, then franchise him and get a slightly less package than they would be getting next offseason when he still had the fifth-year option. And I think what they do partly depends on this year. If they win the Super Bowl this year, maybe they do kind of pull the ripcord and say, okay, like we, we got a ring in our window. All right. We know we have to turn this roster over. Maybe they're more willing to move him than they would be. Right. Like Lynch said, like we're trying to do something special this year. Okay. If you do that, something special, if you do that special thing, does that change your decision making? And I don't know that it will or won't. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I can't know for sure, but to me, no, because you want to run it back. You know, you just proved you have a Super Bowl winning team. <laughs> right. You don't want to say, all right, rebuild time or even, you know, fast rebuild. We're just going to sacrifice one year, you know, like some teams have said. No, you keep pushing all your chips in until you physically can't do it anymore because of your salary cap. And the Niners have built it up to where they can still do it. Because as we've discussed, they can move on from Kittle. They can move on from Adebo. They have other options. So I don't see why winning a Super Bowl this next season would then make them go, we got to move Ayuk now when they still have the franchise years coming. And they still have the capability of creating cap space. And by the way, if they win a Super Bowl this year, I would say there's a pretty decent chance Trent Williams is out the door and then there's a huge savings. Could be. Um, yeah, we don't know. That's true. He, he did mention retirement this year and maybe if he gets his ring, he walks away. That, that'd be a problem that I would love to be faced with though. Let me just say that. I mean, he outlasted Dan Snyder. So he, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Well, that's not official yet though. So <laughs> uh, it, it's happening. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah. okay. So as we dig a little further into this draft review, I was looking in the transcript about Drake Jackson, their second round pick last year. And there was a question about his weight because it had fluctuated at USC. And they said, where, you know, where should his weight be to fit into the edge role that you want? And the funny line from John Lynch is, I think ultimately what you want to do is you want to be as light as you can be without losing your power. That's the exact quote from John Lynch. And what did they say about Drake Jackson at the end of the year? Kyle Shanahan literally said he lost his power. So I thought that was really striking considering that that's literally exactly what happened to poor Drake Jackson by the end of the year. But I think he lost it for a different reason, right? He lost it because he was tired. And we saw Trey Lance talk about this where the lead up to the draft, you know, your last year of college, you play your entire season and then you have all this draft prep and then you go right into OTAs and then you go right into training camp, you play your rookie year. Then finally you get some kind of a break. So I think Drake Jackson ran into his body wore out. Not so much. I don't, at least I didn't see it physically. It's kind of hard to tell with a defensive end, but I didn't see some dramatic weight loss or anything like that out of him. He's listed at 6'4", 250. 
Um, and this is something that Trey talked about too, like knowing more or knowing better what the organization wants and expects from you going forward. Obviously, Drake didn't even know what organization he was going to be playing for at this time last year. Now, obviously, he knows that. He knows what life in the NFL is like and the rigors of that. And I'm sure that he and the Niners have worked out like, hey, this is the weight we want you at. They've established that. There's going to be no flipping around, no fluctuations. So I think all we that. don't even care just, about the weight. Just go, just go spend an off season with Nick Bosa. <laughs> yeah, that's a very exclusive club. Um, one thing that Grant suggested yesterday was, what if they traded Trey Lance for Chase Young, who, of course, the commanders declined to pick up his fifth-year option. It's a little easier to sell a trade of Trey Lance if you're acquiring a potentially elite pass rusher because those are almost as hard to find as quarterbacks. Imagine if you had Chase Young, Drake Jackson, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa on the defensive line. That'd be pretty damn impressive. I wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't hate it. I think that would be the way to describe it for me. It's not what I would want, but I wouldn't hate it at the same time. Uh, the second part of it is you would have to imagine it because the chance of all of them being healthy at the same time is pretty <laughs> slim. <laughs> oh, that's mean. It's not mean. It's the truth. Okay. There's a reason why the commanders declined the fifth year option. And I don't think it has to do with performance on the field. It's because Chase Young has been extremely injury prone. He has not been able to play very many games in his career. And that's why they didn't pick up the fifth-year option because it's a huge risk to take when somebody's getting injured as much as he has. So to me, like it, it's not about talent, but you are what you are. And if you can't stay healthy, then it's not mean. It's the truth. <laughs> and like Grant said, the Niners are already dealing with a high draft pick that has a history of knee issues. Chase Young has nine sacks in three years. Uh, right. He only played in three games the last year, did not register a sack, did have one pass defended, and uh, that's pretty much it. Three solo tackles. So Right. He is uh, Nick Bosa's teammate. There is that connection. I, you know, Bosa, I mean, I'm sure he would love to uh, reunite with another uh, Ohio State Buckeye. It just, it wasn't something I had thought of. Grant just threw it at me, and we were talking about the defensive line, so... Eric Armstead was very honest in his media session earlier this week talking about Drake Jackson. He said he needs to have a big year. There's a lot more on his plate. Like he laid out the expectations, which I actually loved because if he's doing that publicly, he did that privately. I'm sure right. Eric's not the kind of guy that's going to blindside a player by just throwing him on blast in the media. I'm sure he and Drake have talked about that. And I like that the Niners have the veterans in the locker room to enforce and establish that standard. This is the level we expect from you. Yeah, and if you don't reach that level, then you're going to be Dante Pettis right on out. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, that one might have been a little mean. but <laughs> Yeah, the funny outweighed the mean, though, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I do think that this team, I would say one of the biggest reasons why they, they've been able to have sustained success is this regime did a really good job of building a culture and finding great players that fit that culture. So then it's not something that I don't think Kyle Shanahan has to spend a whole lot of time maintaining, meaning the culture. The players do it themselves, right? And that's what you see out of 
some of the, the great teams yep. in history was the veterans took care of making sure everybody was in line and giving everything and ready to go. And I think this team is at that level. Can they win a Super Bowl and maybe enter a conversation where you actually remember that aspect of this team? Uh, well, time will tell. <laughs> the next player the 49ers drafted last year, of course, Ty Davis Price. Kind of surprised us all because they had just taken a running back in the third round in Trey Sermon, and yet Ty Davis Price was the pick. And John Lynch said, I believe it was John Lynch. Yeah. He said, does the player fit something you think can not only improve your team, but is the best fit for you? We thought he was a tremendous fit exactly for what we're looking for. He's a great compliment to Elijah Mitchell. And I think we envision a great role for Trey Sermon going forward for Jeff Wilson. There's plenty of room for these guys. Of course, now we know Trey Sermon shipped off or they got rid of Trey Sermon. They eventually traded Jeff Wilson to the Miami Dolphins. So that room became a lot less crowded, but it wasn't because Ty Davis Price was getting the ball. He couldn't get on the field, and even when he was available, they didn't use him. I think one of the safest things to say about this regime is don't believe a f***ing word that comes out of their mouth when it comes to the running backs. Because <laughs> <laughs> that position, amongst all of them, has just been full of BS. You know, Every year they've had either a Joe Williams or a Trey Sermon I don't know if TDP will end up that way or not. Time will tell, but the simple fact is Jordan Mason was above him on the depth chart at the end of the year. So not a very and good sign. Been. And should have been. I mean, Jordan Mason is really good, but I would like to see more than TDP, but I would have liked to see more of Sermon. And uh, Sermon, had, I don't even think he's stuck on the Eagles roster when he went there. I think he stuck I for a few right. weeks and then was shipped out too. So, like, obviously they, they're not – their draft evaluating, not good. After the draft, <laughs> they're pretty quick to say, hey, this guy ain't it. And that's good, but maybe figure something out or just stop using the draft. <laughs> Which, now they don't have to because they got Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I I agree that, that uh, Jordan should have been ahead of him on the draft, on the uh, depth chart for sure. Um, but I hope that they don't, like you can't keep, burning these picks man especially this early in the draft if you're gonna take a running back just wait kyle like you're so good at finding running backs on the scrap heap or you know undrafted free agents do just don't draft a guy even if you really like him let it go right they've used three picks in the third round on running backs since taking over and i would have to look but I would guess those three running backs have accounted for less than 1% of all snaps at running back. <laughs> so, like, legitimately, like, the only – did Joe Williams even – I think he saw the field for, like, 10 plays in his career or something. Didn't he? I don't even know if he I, ever... I think he did really early on. And then Trey Sermon saw a little bit as a rookie, but not a ton. And TDP saw almost none as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I would – it's probably – Maybe less than 2%. Maybe they get to the 1%, but it's very low, and yet they have continually went to the well in the draft for running backs. No, Joe Williams never took a snap for that. Really? Nothing. You bring up his, you bring him up on uh, Pro Football Reference, and his combine measurements come up. He ran a 4 4 1. Wow. Yeah. Now you know how Kyle Shanahan thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, swing and a miss on that one. Okay. Next up. 
Danny Gray, third round pick, wide receiver out of SMU, was billed as a speed guy. And from the looks of it, he was crazy fast. We all got pumped up when Trey Lance threw him that long touchdown pass in the preseason. I was like, yeah, there we go. We're going to be seeing that all the time. And then he went out and had a whopping one reception for 10 yards in his rookie season. When your uh, climax is in the preseason, <laughs> didn't go very well. I don't know how much of that is his fault. I do know he, he struggled with some injuries. My guess, and I, I hope I'm right on this, my guess is he fell into the wide receiver year one doghouse of Kyle Shanahan where, hey, you can't block like a great tight end, so you're not going to play. <laughs> one of the things that Kyle talked about after he was drafted was how he did block, though, how he wasn't just a speed guy, how he did have physicality, and yet That's he cool. couldn't Blocking see the Blocking at the NFL level is completely different. Guys are so much faster and stronger. You know, you, you can go block college players. The def defenses in college are not nearly as fast as the NFL. I think more so than offense, that is the speed difference. I think I think you get a lot of fast guys on offense, even in college. Not so much on the defense. Like, you, you don't have an entire team. You know, you might have a, a single Nick Boza, or you might have a great team like Ohio State that has a couple of them. But I, I, I think linebackers especially are so much faster in the NFL. Yeah, well, for sure. They they absolutely are. Here's what Kyle Shanahan said. What I like about Danny, I would say his number one trait was speed, but his number two trait was toughness. And I think that's a rare quality for those to be one and two. So I definitely like that a lot. So, he, I mean, he, he thought he was going to block at least, but maybe, you know, like you said, maybe Danny just did not realize the extent to which he'd have to go and do it. Um, but I was really disappointed because I think they needed a speed wide receiver to stretch the field. They don't have that. Ayuk is, is fast, but he's, it's not that like you need a guy that's fast among fast dudes. They tried to have that with Marquise Goodwin. They tried Travis Benjamin in that role. They need that in this offense. And Danny Gray could have been that because he looked to be every bit as fast as he was billed to be, but we just never got to see it. It certainly helps to have that, but I think Brock Purdy proved that you don't necessarily need the speed of a Danny Gray. Uh, a lot of the lack of deep shots, I think, was proven beyond a doubt in those eight games was Jimmy Garoppolo being scared to throw them. <laughs> yeah, that is part of it, too, for Jimmy sure. Jimmy Garoppolo went down and instantly we're having 20-plus yard strikes multiple every game. Whereas Jimmy, it was like once every two to three weeks, you might have one. I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback when it comes to that. And I, I do think, yeah, like I said, you do need the deep, the deep guy, but it's not necessary. If you're a really good route runner, you're going to be able to get open deep. And I think Ayuk is entering that level. Uh, obviously, you have guys, you know, we all know Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice wasn't fast, but he was so good at route running that he burned people and got open deep. So I just don't, I don't think it's actually necessary, especially in this style of offense, you know, it's kind of a West coast hybrid offense, but it relies a lot more on shorter passes and you don't need to be having this deep shot all the time. Seat warmers aren't necessary, but they sure as hell are nice to have. Right. And that's what I feel like 
a freak, a speed freak like Danny Gray is could do. It's just really nice to have because it opens everything up. You send him deep. It opens things up underneath for Debo. It opens things underneath for Kittle or McCaffrey or whoever. Or Jawan Jennings on third down, right? It's third and short. You send Jawan short over the middle. Maybe the defense crashes on Jawan, and then holy crap, Danny Gray is wide open down the field. It's nice to have, and the 49ers haven't had it in any real way. And, we, you know, we've talked a lot about how the offense needs to evolve as it becomes more common around the league, as people get more familiar and experienced playing against Shanahan. They have to do things that they haven't done before. This is one of those things. And it just, like you said, he fell into the abyss of the rookie wide receivers under Kyle Shanahan. Do you think that we'll see Danny Gray this year? Or do you think that it's just, he's going to be pettist? Uh, okay. I'm holding a yes and a no behind my back pick. And that'll be my answer. I have no clue. <laughs> nobody knows. Literally nobody knows. Danny Gray probably doesn't even know. Because we don't know from the outside how much of it was. Either the injuries really derailed him in his development in his rookie year, uh, how much of it is he's just not good enough and how much of it is he had to learn how to block the way that Kyle Shanahan demands and he'll be there this next year. We don't know. I have no clue. But I want to go back to the seat warmer part because totally unimportant, but I don't care. I was stuck on that comment because I'm curious if our audience truly understands that reference because San Francisco is not really known for its winter. You know, it's just not snow, though. If anybody that has seat warmers knows, I don't know what it is. When your butt is warm, you're warm. You could be in a freezing cold car, but if you got that seat warmer on and your butt's warm, you're like, ah, this isn't that bad. Let's go. We're good. You know, my wife hates seat warmers. What? She she says it makes me feel like I'm pissing myself. It's like, but you're not. (laughs) No, but that's, yeah, no, that's a different... That's a different feeling. I mean, come on. The seat warmer is nice, man. It's oh, especially if you have leather seats, they get cold in the winter. Trust me. If you're if you're in San Francisco and you're listening okay, to this. I'll, I'll say this. You know, I, I was poor. I had crap vehicles until I was out in North Dakota and I got it. I got a vehicle with seat warmers and I had made comments about like, who the heck pays extra to get seat warmer in a vehicle? But then I moved to North freaking Dakota and had the leather seats. So it kind of became a, a necessary thing. And once I had them, I said, I remember telling coworkers, I never thought I would care to have them. But now that I've had a vehicle with them, I'll never have another one that won't have it. Yes, they're great. They are. And now some cars have the seat coolers, too. I don't know yeah. how that works. But, I mean, if you had leather seats and you were in a hot area, I imagine that would be nice, too, because there's nothing worse than swamp ass when you are driving somewhere and then there's you get out of your car. There's nothing worse than sitting down in a leather car that's been in the sun and literally <laughs> getting third-degree burns. I, I don't know about you in Connecticut, but I have certainly before in the summer had to drive where my I'm basically squatting trying to drive yep. because I can't put my back on the back of my seat because I'll literally burn myself. It's not a pleasant experience in the Northeast. You know, work that back into the 49ers so that we get back on track. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally can't, but that's how I describe fast guys. They're like seat warmers. They're nice to have. Next up would be Spencer Burford. Surprise pick who ended up being, I don't want to say full-time starter because he split reps, but I mean, almost a full-time starter 
Nobody had that. You could say he was draft. a day one starter because he did start. Afterwards, John Lynch said they had a third or fourth round grade on Burford. They eventually took him in the fourth round. They didn't really like pump him up too much after the draft. Obviously, they said they were happy to have him, but they kind of lumped him in with Nick Zakel, who they would take mm-hmm. in the sixth round, um, who Shanahan actually said this week they actually envision uh, him more on the inside of the offensive line than on the outside of tackle. Um, but they, they just, yeah, they were like, we got these guys. We think they're good. And that was pretty much it. And Burford ended up being, I think, better than anybody thought he was going to be. So one thing that stuck out to me when I was going back and reading, I found on the 49ers website, their write-up done by Brianna McDonald on Burford. And there was one little line in there. I don't know if it means anything whatsoever, but I found it interesting that was in there. She said in her writing, he also earning a start at left tackle for the American team in the Reese's Senior Bowl. I found that interesting that they made mention in the post-draft write-up that he had played left tackle in the Senior Bowl. Why? Because they have an open tackle spot. You think they're going to bump him out to tackle? I don't think so, but it is interesting that they actually mentioned that and that he truly did play left tackle in the Senior Bowl. Thus, maybe they are working on that this year, trying to see him. And it'll be one of those surprises of training camp where they go, he's going to have a shot at earning the right tackle spot uh, as well as the right guard spot. And they kind of like let him see which one he does better. Well, it's possible, I guess, if they are serious about keeping Zakel on the inside, maybe if Zakel can earn the right guard spot and then they put Burford out at right tackle, I suppose that's a possibility. It's easier to find a guard than it is a tackle, put it that way. But who knows? It's just, I found it interesting that it was actually mentioned might mean nothing might just be something she put in herself, uh, but they might give him a shot at that. I haven't heard anything that they are, but I would be interested to see like, why wouldn't you at this point? Next up, <laughs> Samuel Womack out of Toledo in round five. Holy Toledo. You're welcome. You proud of yourself for that? Oh yes. Believe me. You know how many times, I had to deal with that, wanting to say that and couldn't say it on air, going to a Mac conference and announcing on the radio. Well, I'm glad you uh, exercised that demon. Samuel Womack, at points I was like, hey, people are saying this guy might be pretty good. And then he played for a little bit and I was like, hey, this guy might be pretty good. And now I'm like, where the hell was he last year? Well, he looked really good as the nickel early in the season and then got pushed out of that spot. And then kind of disappeared. I I do remember him getting a shot on the outside and not looking very good. Um, mm-hmm. And basically just kind of fell off. So I, I don't know why there wasn't more of an opportunity there late season when some injuries cropped up. Maybe he's something, maybe he's not. I guess we're going to find out. He might be just kind of one of these guys. He had a great first week or two. I can't remember if he played two weeks or one week in the slot. I think it was two. But near that film of him in training camp where he was like mauling people and intercepting pads, that was him, right? Yeah, I believe so. So it's just, it was a weird end of the season. So we'll see if he can emerge this year. They certainly need somebody to emerge because they're pretty darn light at corner. And they originally talked about him as a nickel afterwards. Uh, which is why that that was sort of their initial spot for him. And then when he, when he did move outside, he didn't look so good. Like they were never planning on playing him 
to the outside. But you're right. I mean, the need at corner is I wouldn't be shocked if they took a corner in this draft coming up because I think they they definitely need to add some depth there because we know those guys are not going to last all year. Although, to his credit, Womack did play in 16 games last year, which not a lot of guys on this team can say that. Yeah, how much of that was special teams? He was available for 16 games, though. Even that's an accomplishment. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so the next guys we could sort of take as a group here, uh, Kalia Davis, or, or I should say Nick Sakel, we kind of already talked about. Um, Kalia Davis was out all year after an ACL. Tariq Castro-Fields and, of course, Brock Purdy. Obviously, Brock has gotten a ton of talk during the show, or I should say, you know, on the pod. Nick Sakel is the only one out of that group other than Brock that I feel like might have a future. They've consistently talked about him as being in the mix, even though we never really saw him last year. It's in the, I'll believe it when I see it. If this was a year ago, I would have said, no, he has no shot. And I'm going to learn from my mistakes with Aaron Banks. I'm not going to say that, but I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in him and Jason Poe, of course, was a, an undrafted free agent. What if Um, Poe's ready to go a guard and Burford goes outside? Did you just want to say Poe ready to go? No, sure. <laughs> I, I want to see it. I want to see all those guys in the mix. Hell, throw them all in the pot and let them battle it out. If you want a bad joke about Poe, if Poe gets a pancake and he doesn't say skadoosh, I'm really disappointed in him. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's what Poe in Kung Fu Panda says whenever he lands on the guy's face or hits somebody. He says skadoosh. Skadoosh. Okay. I wonder if he knows that. Do you think he does? I would think so. I mean, that was when that movie came out, like that was something that was. See, if you were there, Levin, you could ask him. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of info we need you to be getting. Mm -mm. See how much better this pod could be if you were actually in California. I see what you're doing. Bringing it full circle. (sighs) Okay. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. (sighs) So. That's the 2022 draft class. Uh, if you want to talk, if there is something about Purdy you want to talk about, feel free. I don't mean to speak for you. No, I, I will say when I was going back and looking at the draft, I, I was entering it going, yeah, it wasn't that great of a draft. And I, I've just kind of forgotten Purdy was actually part of the draft. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was looking at it anyways. And I think it's just because like the top guys didn't do anything. You know, Drake Jackson had a kind of a bummer rookie year even though he flashed a little bit early and mm-hmm. tdp didn't really get a shot so i i think in my mind i was kind of had a warped sense of how good it was and then i started looking and i was like okay hold on here they might have the franchise quarterback they had a starting offensive lineman right off the bat like, and then they had you know samuel womack has potential danny gray has potential drake jackson i think at the very worst is going to be a solid depth piece uh for the next three plus years uh, so it's actually a pretty good draft class in review after one year. Obviously, things can still change, but yeah, the quarterback. I mean, first of all, if they got nothing else out of the draft except Brock, it would be a successful draft. But like you said, they got some guys that have shown potential, and what they don't have, except for maybe maybe Ty Davis Price, is they don't have a lot of guys where you could say, "Nope, that was a screw up. That was a wash. That was a waste." You know, and it's, you can't always say that. When you look back at the draft class, like Trey Sermon in 2021, that was a waste. <laughs> Jalen Moore, that appears to be a waste. I mean, man, 
Jalen Moore coming in was like a like, was like a horror show. <laughs> he was immediately beaten. Um, and that's really if you can get something, something out of every pick or close to every pick, you're you're not you're doing a pretty damn good job. Wet blanket moment. Oh, here we go. You say, oh yeah, look at these guys from the previous ones. They they were nothing. Well, yeah, but what were we saying after year one? Oh, Trey Sermon, he's got a chance. You know, I still believe in him. Jalen Moore, he could be developing into a starting tackle in the future. Now, those were the things that were being said after year one for those guys. So yes, but we now have more data on them. So well, now right, we but say... I'm saying like these guys, like you're saying, look at this. You don't really see too many zeros up in this draft. It's like they might all end up being zeros. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> Purdy, saying... obviously not. Mister Irrelevant getting eight wins as your starting quarterback means he's already guaranteed not to be. A zero. You're saying the zeros will emerge? <laughs> I would be willing to bet a lot of money that there'll at least be one in this draft class because there's always one. Go back and look at 2020. Javon Kinlaw in the first round. Oh, that was a miss. But then Ayuk also in round one. Colton McKivitz in round five, who could end up being a starter three years after he was picked. Charlie Warner, eh, nothing. Jawan Jennings in round seven in 2020, who's their go-to guy on third down. That's a pretty damn good draft year. Yeah, it's not bad. To me, like, draft review, talk to me when five years is up and we see the second contracts. That's when you can truly start to judge a draft class, in my opinion. Mm, I don't know if I agree, because you can get solid contributions. Well, so, from sometimes you know pretty qu- I will say this. You know if it's a terrible draft class, pretty darn quick <laughs> you know the aj jenkins draft class we knew pretty quickly mm. that that was an all-time stinker yeah what year was that <laughs> that was 2012 aj jenkins Michael james joe looney darius fleming trent robinson jason slowey and cam johnson that year ugh <laughs> yeah that's brutal uh, th- yeah yeah, that's why Balky's in Jacksonville. <laughs> How about 2019? Bosa round one, Debo round two. Home run, home run right off the bat. Jalen Hurd in round three. Yee. Mitch Wisnowski, who <laughs> speaking of second contract. You can't blame Hurd. What do you mean? He certainly looked like he was going to emerge, and then he literally had maybe the worst luck of any person ever in a career. Dre Greenlaw in round five that year. Man, that is a draft. Through five picks, they got Bosa, Debo, Mitch, and Dre Greenlaw all still on the team. So once Bosa signs, four of them will have second contracts. And they weren't necessarily small contracts. I mean, any contract for a punter is a big contract because there's not much difference between the lowest paid and the highest paid. Uh, So getting a second one is something. Bosa's going to set the record. Greenlaw came in cheap. Uh, for what he is now, but Debo was at the top of the market for wide receivers. So you got two really expensive ones, uh, a punter. You're welcome, Jason Aponte, and a uh, linebacker at a steep discount. Like, I mean, we, I think, I can't remember for sure for you, but I certainly criticized the Greenlaw extension at the time. I thought they were, I knew they were going to pay one between Aziz and Greenlaw. I thought it was going to be Aziz. Uh, and then Greenlaw just, he was a madman last year, man. He was crazy. Uh, certainly looks like a great deal for the Niners. And I know that I say, 
you know, I don't know about these guys coming in and, you know, it's going to take a little while to evaluate and all that, but I love the draft. If you want to know why a team is good or a team is bad, it's because of the draft. It's because of what's going to happen tonight and tomorrow and Saturday. Go back and look at how dynasties in the NFL rise and fall. It is always, always, always because of the draft, because that's your cheap labor coming in. And so I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I watch it. I like to watch one feed, either the ESPN or the NFL Network feed, and then go back and watch the other one. Like it's it's like Christmas for me. I absolutely love the draft. I'm going to be locked in. I was obsessed with the draft for years and years. I ran a draft website in college that I started on my own because uh, I loved the draft so much. What was it called? Uh, oh, talking 15 years ago. Oh, come on. You know it. No, I honestly was NFL. It was. I look it up. That's what I want to know. I want to see if I can Google this thing. <laughs> I, I remembered. It's not a good name. It was football. Know it all. So I was trying to create a, I was trying to create a brand for myself. So I called it football. Know it all. So that I could try to have credibility as a college student. Football. Know it all.com. Yeah. I still actually use the uh, email for certain things. <laughs> Football know-it-all. You're still trying to create a brand for yourself. Now it's just a wet blanket. Yeah, because I pushed that one. Uh, No, so (laughs) my point was I loved the draft. Part of that was the Niners drafted in like the top 10 every single year during that period. (laughs) That certainly adds like the draft is the thing to look forward to by midseason. I will say, though, them not having it all on day one, like one day, has killed a good bit of my enjoyment of it. I would literally plan, plan, have the entire day out free. I'll get all kinds of food. And I would literally sit and watch the draft for like 15 hours or whatever it took (laughs) all day long. I would have friends come and go, you know, we'd have, we'd have draft parties, but normally nobody else stayed the entire time. But yeah, we'd sit and watch it the I watch it all day long, and since they've dra- like they've broken it up into the private, I get why it makes business sense, but it has kind of ruined it. But I also recognize that uh, I'm kind of a diehard, so I'm not exactly the type of person that is the norm when it comes to that. So I'm cer- certain that the NFL draft is a lot more popular now than it was. You're not going to get food tonight? You're not going to get anything special? No, I'll probably begin it during the day. My wife does not look at the draft as something special. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, hard to believe. Anyway, uh, we especially will be... Friday night. Friday Friday night does not look special to her at all because yes, so... uh, the Niners will be drafting, so I will be watching a lot closer. And you know, we're going to be going live at, at some point. And she, you know, she she just loves when I come up with these. You know, hey, I'm going to be doing a live show, just so you know. Just for the next, you know, four hours. You actually texted me. Um, we are going to be live here on the the Gold Standard Podcast Network YouTube page, our Facebook page, which you can find us on Facebook now. You can find us on Instagram, GSN49ers on Instagram. Please follow us there. But you looked it up and you said last year's round three started at 920-ish Eastern. Yeah, I was kind of excited about that. I was like, eh, that's not too bad. And then. The 99th pick was at 11:22 p.m. Eastern time. So that's and we're, we're going to go live. A, so. We'll go a little bit 
you know, maybe like three picks or so before the Niners pick in the third round. We'll be here live. We'll react to everything that's happened. And then we'll stay through all the Niners picks. We'll get some reaction. Uh, we may have some people popping in, in and out as well. If we can uh, wrangle up some of the uh, forces here at the Gold Standard Podcast Network. So that'll be fun. And then, of course, if the Niners do anything, we will react. If they trade up, we'll we'll get, we'll get hop on. So whatever happens, we will be here with you. So make sure you join us. We'll take your questions, your comments, obviously, all night long as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a little different draft feel around here. But you know what? doesn't mean we can't still get good players. Okay, John Lynch. <laughs> By the way, did you did you see the uh, review? In my review, I found the pre-draft presser. He had almost an identical quote to this year. Oh, yeah, we don't have a pick. I forget the beginning part of it where he's talking about we don't have a pick until so late. But this draft has really got great depth, <laughs> and that really stood out to us. It's like – Wow, you just said that like two days ago in your in your actual presser. Interesting. One thing I hadn't thought of is if they really do feel like, you know, hey, there's one guy we want in the third round and we've got 99, we've got 101, we've got 102. Do they try and package some of those picks to get picks for 2024 and maybe try to add to the war chest for 2024? You know, if they do decide that, they're out on Trey, and if Brock if uh, Brock can't come back the way he was before, suddenly they could find themselves in the quarterback market. Maybe they want to hedge their bets a little bit and have a little extra draft capital in 2024. Like I said, I think it's much more likely that they look at a guy that they had a first-round grade on, he's still sitting there at pick, say, 55 or somewhere around there, and they start working the phones to try to get in there and get the guy. You just poo-pooed everything I said. I, I put together like a I mean, nice well, that- little... That's essentially what they said about Drake Jackson last year. We couldn't believe this guy made it all the way to 61. We thought he'd be taken closer to the first round. So if somebody like that is still available, then I could see them going for it. I don't see them caring about 2024. Well, all right, then. You're such a poo-pooer. You always poo-poo. Come up with better ideas. (laughs) (laughs) How about an idea? I end the show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Gold Standard Network. Like I said, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, GSN49ers. 11 is at Takes by 11 on Twitter. I'm at Stats on Fire. Basically, if you're not following us everywhere that there ever could possibly be, what are you really doing here? Help us out. And uh, thanks to everybody. And we'll see you later tonight. That end's not going to work. Somebody royally forked up. Somebody forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. I guess a lot of people in this neighborhood don't like it, so it's prohibited.